It's Under the Dome Radio, the full discussion and fan feedback show for Season 3, Episode 10, entitled Legacy, recorded August 21st, 2015. Yes, it's true. It's time once again for Under the Dome Radio, the unofficial podcast by and for fans of CBS TV's Under the Dome. This is episode 68 of Under the Dome Radio, and the blog post with links and things that we discussed tonight are at underthedomeradio.com slash 68. And we want to hear your feedback. Go to underthedomeradio.com slash feedback to share your voice. Now, we are a very proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Check out our other podcasts that will make you think, laugh, and succeed They're all at noodle.mx. We're also sponsored by lynda.com. Get a 10-day free trial. Learn something new and awesome. Visit lynda.com for details. And me, I'm at Wayne Henderson, your voice acting, podcasting Green Bay Packers fan who can already envision the Green Bay Packers victoriously raising the Lombardi Trophy in San Francisco this coming February. Now, now, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Still got two preseason games left to play. (laughs) details details Uh, troy would say something like that right troy i absolutely would that's this troy troy heinrich's here and i think we should go see big jim wayne because i'm pretty sure i know which one of us he'll actually be happier to see and which one of the us would that be i don't know we'll have to roll the dice and see (laughs) because i i believe it would be me because i'm i don't know (laughs) I, I, i think it would pick you as well Oh, okay. Then let's go see Big Jim. Okay. Tell him how awesome he is. Good evening, Sir Wayne. How are you this week? I am a little bit slap happy. I'm going to warn you up front. Oh, this should be a fun episode if you couldn't tell because we're already throwing out the uh, lay your hands comments <laughs> right away oh. at the top of the show. <laughs> we are glowing purple all around, ladies and gentlemen. It's pulsing from the studio. <laughs> <laughs> And we've got a lot going on tonight. We've got breaking news with dome-related happenings, ratings, stuff like that. Then requests and dedications. Going to close the loop on last week's episode. Then we're going on the air talking about what Troy and I found interesting about the most recent episode of Under the Dome. Then getting good on location. Chat with you, the Under the Dome domies with your voicemails, listener feedback, and other great stuff. And then wrap it all up with an investigative report. Kind of spoilery. A little bit of information about what's coming up next week on Under the Dome. So with that being said, Sir Troy, let's kick things off, shall we? That's right. It's our breaking news segment here, Under the Dome. Set deck and prop sale is coming. That's right. That means we have some good news, potentially, because if they're going to sell off pieces of the set there in Wilmington, North Carolina, then it could be that maybe they're all getting rid of everything. We can only hope. Uh, It'll Mm. be at the MCO Warehouse at 802 North 23rd Street there in Wilmington. It'll be Thursday through Saturday, August 27th through the 29th. That's a few days after the recording of this episode on August 21st, 2015. It'll run from 8 a.m. till 4.30 p.m. in the afternoon, Eastern Time. There will be about 30,000 square feet of furniture, art, household items, lighting, books, etc. If you saw it on the TV show, they have it from season one, two, and three. That's right. Not everything is getting shipped to Utah, apparently, but it will be cash only and no deliveries. So make sure you hit up the ATM before you go get your piece of the dome. 
That's right. Right there in Wilmywood, North Carolina. It's going to be good stuff. Also want to let you know that as the dome goes, so do the tours at Screen Gem Studios. The final tours took place last weekend, and now the lot and studios are closed for tours for the summer as no active productions are currently taking place. We will have a link to the story with a short video of the studio in our show notes at underthedomeradio.com slash 68. Now, of course, some of those items from the set would be fun to own, and I can only assume that they would clean off the blood from all of the victims that have been dying over the past few years in Chester's Mill so that they'll be shiny in your own house, unless you want the authentic blood. Exactly. If I'm buying Big Jim's knife that he keeps wiping on his shirt, I want to make sure there's some blood stains on there. Absolutely. (laughs) No doubt. Now, as far as ratings go, it makes you wonder, did Legacy leave a legacy in terms of ratings this week? Well, there were some DirecTV and CBS shenanigans, as we like to say, as well as some football that was being aired in some markets. So with that being said, Legacy did come in with a .083 share in the 18 to 49 demo and added 3 million viewers. So clearly more in line with the rest of the stuff we've seen this season versus last week's kind of short-lived spike, which I still personally think was an apparition and it was actually tied to football viewing. I think so too. Then we also have DVR numbers have come in for Ejecta. One of the wackiest episode titles ever. It had a 90% bump in the 18 to 49 with a whole ratings point, adding it up to a 1.9, making it the number one show in the week in the 18 to 49 DVR. And of course, without Wayward Pines on the air anymore, that explains that. It gained 3 million viewers to bring its total to 7.6 million, which was also good to take the number one spot. So a 1.9 rating with 7 million is still pretty decent for a summer TV show. And some people during the actual regular television season would even clamor for a 1.97 million kind of audience. But That's true. <laughs> that's very, very true. It could be even on some network that's actually owned by CBS, like the CW, for instance. <laughs> it, there's still shows on the CW? Yes, there are. And they're really good shows, actually. Arrow, Flash, all kinds of superhero stuff going on over there. And The 100. Love <gasps> The 100. Oh, I am waiting for season three of the 100. I didn't realize that was the CW. I've been catching up, watching uh, old episodes on Netflix and waiting for the rest of them to come online. So, okay, there's at least one there on CW. And none of this matters, as you heard Nina Tassler say last week, because as long as Amazon writes the check, ratings, schmatings. Yes, uh, quality doesn't matter. Ratings don't matter. What people think of it doesn't matter. Amazon's writing a check and they're making a profit. That's right. That's right. Oh, man. But on a brighter side of things, we do want to send out a special thank you to Krista in Okinawa for sending in a great propane donation this past week that we will forward to help little Ben that you've heard us talk about before. He has a battle going on with cancer and every little bit helps. So thank you very much, Krista, for that. So with that, let's go ahead and jump right in and go on the air. That's right. It's our on-the-air segments where we run down all the fun that was actually happening during the latest episode of our good friends Under the Dome Legacy. Well, let's think. Let's start it off. We, I guess we left off right where we did last time, did we not, Wayne? We had a little smoochy smooch going on with the two lovebirds. And I, I think this is really selfish of the two of them because as they're kissing face, 
we have the entire town with pitchforks and flames and Molotov cocktails storming the uh, the the place where Big Jim and Nori and Hunter are all hanging out. Now, I, I think it's really a shame that you have to have all these people trying to break down a, a small you know a teenager's house and a cripple's house at the same time. It's like this is just not cool. And you only got Big Jim is the only one able to fire guns because Nori's scared of guns. That will come back to be an important thing later on in this episode. Stay tuned. And so they basically burn down the house, but as they're burning down the house, we have Hector Martin from Acteon magically shows up with Lily and they save the day and take them to none other than a preschool daycare in town where they set up their base or as Jim likes to refer to it as this is my safe house. (laughs) Unbelievable stuff. Big Jim and Hector basically come to an agreement that if they can get the dome down, then Hector can get his DNA from Christine, and both of the men will be heroes at the end of the day. Yay! In the meantime, we have Joe. He's captured. He's in jail in the town hall. Imagine that. They actually do still have a jail in the town hall, not just dormitories, and they're actually working on making this sound generation thing, but Junior isn't quite happy with them, so Junior beats the snot out of them. Barbie shows up, beats the snot out of Junior for beating the snot out of Joe, even though it was to teach him a lesson because Barbie's actually a double agent. And now Joe is a double agent. So that makes it a quadruple agent. And now they're working together in order to make sure that they can all get out of the dome successfully at the end of the day, which we find out could be because if you whistle, then the the amethyst glows. But if you don't whistle, the amethyst doesn't glow. And maybe that has the key to how we bring the dome down. We'll talk about that theory in a little bit. So, As that's all going on, we still have Julia. She actually is trying to figure out what the heck's going on with Ava. And so Barbie runs off to the barn where we find Ava actually consuming. Yes, not actually eating the 12 virgins, but consuming their energy to feed the new queen. And she goes from zero to 36 weeks pregnant in the matter of two whole minutes. It was amazing. And that basically sends all the virgins into a giant grave pit that Julia almost falls into, a la Locke style from Lost. And then, of course, she sees Barbie and Ava kissing, which, of course, is going to piss Julia off to no end. And that pretty much is legacy in two minutes or less. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And you even used the term amazing. Um, I was just when you were telling me the recap, which was very nicely done, Sir Troy, I was wondering, what does this have to do with the Stephen King book under the dome? (laughs) Zero. Absolutely (laughs) nada. Say it again. Zero. Absolutely nada. <laughs> wild, wild stuff. Now I, I think my favorite part was the fact that we had that pit with the bodies in it. Oh, yeah. That was the best part. It was like they, they were like the makeup was done really good. I, I really actually enjoyed the pit of ladies. <laughs> it's referred to it as hashtag pit of ladies. <laughs> Which we'll probably never see mentioned again. Now, I purposely left off one key thing, one key element of this entire episode in that recap. And that's the story about Patrick. Patrick is a balding uh, father of Lily who we get introduced to in this episode through a flashback scenario. This, this is the first time I was thinking on Under the Dome that we've had a kind of flashback scenario other than kind of reliving some of the Pauline stuff to fill in the blanks. And we don't really count time travel back to 1987 to find out what actually happened to that story because that was kind of important to the story, not really a flashback. This, I think, was actually a really interesting flashback because what we still don't know is how far back was the flashback because when Hunter cracks into the Acteon computer and gets the secret files decoded, we find out that Patrick is still alive as of yesterday. 
And so how much of the flashback was a flashback versus a, hey, this just happened a couple days ago kind of thing? Excellent questions, Troy. And I am still waiting to find out if it turns out the entire series of Under the Dome is a flashback. Well, that could be too, right? From one of the Masons on the Falling Skies from our crossover event as Falling Skies wraps up its last three episodes for Amblin Television here in the next couple of weeks as well. Indeed. But it does make me wonder what on earth they, is going on with that guy and why are we just now getting all the info on Patrick right here at the very end? So the big questions about Patrick and what all happened with this particular situation. So Patrick is working on an egg that they found. It's in pieces. So the question becomes, is this the egg from Alaska or is this the egg pieces that they found in North Dakota? If you remember, Christine was talking to Ava about they were trying to get these uh, pieces of egg away from the wolves and they were able to speak wolf or whatever it was. I believe it was back in Redux. Uh, that we got that that little bit of a uh, story. And so that's the question. Which egg is this? Because if you notice the egg in this episode, it actually was a different color than the egg we are used to seeing here all the way through season one through season three. It was more of a bluish, whitish yellow kind of color versus the black and purplish color that we have currently. So is that significant? Does each egg represent a different house crest of aliens, potentially? Do you hear the words that are coming out of your mouth? <laughs> I, I, this is going to sound skeptical and like I'm a curmudgeon here in the home studio, but I have a feeling it's just a continuity error and they forgot what, what shade of black and purple the other egg was. I, as far as whether it's the Alaskan egg or the other egg and the dances with wolves egg, I don't think it necessarily matters. Is Is there a way that, which particular egg it is might actually factor in to the final three episodes coming up. It's possible because here's the thing. We've never actually seen the aliens in their pixelated molecule disintegrated form unless you see them in a reflection up to this point, right? Christine walks by a mirror. Sam walks by a mirror. Ava walks by a mirror. Patrick, in this case, inside of the tube that he was in, actually turned pixelated right in front of Hector, turned back human, and then turned back pixelated again without seeing the reflection. So is this a different type of alien? Is this an alien truly manifested in the real sense and not a hybrid human type thing? That's that's one of the big questions because that would make that egg was a different property style of the download. Well, we are certainly still able to accept listener feedback and share it on next week's episode. If you give us a call at... 904-469-7469 or visit underthedomeradio.com slash feedback. You can share your thoughts because I don't have any on that particular subject, Troy. Now, there is a guy out there. We've talked about him before. His uh, blog is called MikeyDislikesIt.com. He's got some great Under the Dome recaps with some really great, uh, what do you call it, memes that he goes along the yes. way. Uh, one of them this week was uh, Rambo, a uh, Rambo theme. One was a Muppet theme. Uh, one was about graffiti for the bottle. Uh, his best one, I think, was Humpty Dumpty. That was the best picture I thought he had this week. I love that one. Uh, but more importantly, in this article, he actually was talking about how is it possible that everybody touched the egg in season one, never got an alien downloaded into him. You know, uh, Joe touched it. Nori touched it. Julia touched it. How come there was no download? So I'm going to answer Mikey's question from his own blog and tell him, Mikey, remember, Christine got the download just as the dome was coming down. 
So because the egg already had the download executed, there was no download to be had. So that's why they were able to touch it and pass it around all through all the different characters that touched it through the first two seasons. Wow, you're giving them a lot of credit. I think it's continuity error raising its head yet again. (laughs) Now, I still have no clue on how Melanie came back from the dead. That's the only question that's still outstanding in my book. I I cannot figure out a good way to figure that one out. Yeah, I don't think we're going to know. But I'll tell you what, MikeyDislikesIt.com is awesome. Mikey is quite prolific and puts a lot of work into his reviews and his memes. And I highly recommend it. It's just you'll be cracking up much like the egg was at the beginning of this episode. Oh, nice one. Nice one. (laughs) And here's the other catch, right? So, and maybe the reason why Patrick was able to show himself in his pixelated molecule form is because he got the full download. Now you remember Melanie was talking about that. She actually had part of the download before she got killed. And so was the alien entity able to escape back into the egg or was half the download in Melanie and half the download in Christine And that's why we don't see them actually manifest into molecule form in the real sense. And was that download via 4G, LTE, or something even more advanced? No, no. This is Chester's Mill. It's all edge. Oh, it's the edge network. (laughs) I could see where getting an interrupted download could easily happen then. Exactly. took 25 years for it to complete on (laughs) dial-up. Oh, my goodness. Three more. Three more. So yeah, Patrick is, I think, the one interesting thing this week. And I think the whole Patrick storyline, and he was saying some really crazy things. So he was strapped into the bed and he's like yelling at the top of his lug, pink stars are falling in lines, pink stars. Oh, don't start with the pink stars crap again. I know. And then he was like talking about when the queen is born, the war will begin. And so I wonder if this goes back to my three faction theory in that they were having that conversation, if you remember, during Ejecta even though everything was fake because Christine was actually showing an image of what happened on their home world, which was them being attacked by these pink stars falling in lines. So if that's the case, then maybe these aliens are trying to strike back at whoever destroyed their home world. And that's why Patrick is saying when the queen is born, we're going to fight back with whoever bombed our home planet possibility. The other thought I had was because the egg was a different color and because Patrick is able to see and molecule form not in a mirror, that could Patrick be a king to the queen? Are these two separate entities trying to find each other? You know, and even though the queen is really the leader of the workers, maybe there is still a monarch that needs to be crowned. And even though we all thought that Julia was the monarch, maybe there's a longer play for that monarch to be crowned storyline. You could be onto something there, Troy. And the more that you explain it that way, It really reminds me a lot of that recent movie, Jupiter Ascending, where there was the queen of the universe and she was kind of surrounded by butterflies and things like that. Oh, yeah. That was the Wachowski brothers, right? Uh, That one for the Matrix? Uh, Yeah. Mia Mila Clunas was in that one. Now, there's another thought to this is that because... Another one? Well, because (laughs) again, this is all based on this egg being a different color. Now, granted, I'll give credit that it is a flashback Typically in flashbacks, they use different kind of lighting and color tones and scenes to let you know that it's a flashback. So it could have just been a white balancing issue for the camera. Possible. Possible. But if the egg is a different color, then maybe this is a different faction. Maybe the blue egg people are trying to get at the purple egg people. And when we had the dome and when we had the dome ghosts, you remember those from season one and the first episode of season two? That was before they were frozen, right? Right, before they were frozen. 
And the dumb ghosts were like, the monarch will be crowned. Hey, we're talking to you from, from beyond and you need to do this and you need to do that. So maybe the purple egg, when the purple egg download happens, notice the dome happens right after the purple egg download. So could it be that the blue egg people are the ones that are responsible for the dome and they want to suffocate out the purple egg people? And could it be that one of those factions is upset that the four hands didn't follow through with the vision and actually stab at Big Jim in the chest? Could be that as well. See, we're just trying to make up stuff here because actually none of this is probably true whatsoever because whatever you watch on Under the Dome doesn't really matter because it won't actually get a payoff at the end anyway. Exactly. So we can just theorize all day long. <laughs> yes, because between the blue egg people and the... And which came first, the blue egg people or the blue egg? Very good question as well. Age old question. So it is a power source of some kind and definitely Patrick got a shock, but somehow Hector Martin feels bad because he was the one that was responsible, not only for Patrick touching the egg, but of course for Christine touching the egg and bringing the dome on everybody. And now he has this like bonding moment with Lily that we met a few episodes ago, uh, hacking into Hunter's computer. And so now they're trying to save Patrick at the end of the day to make this cure that apparently they need Christine's DNA for. Oh my. So the question I have for you, Sir Wayne, is why do they need Christine's DNA specifically? Because if they already have an alien that touched an egg with a download already, why can't they just use Patrick's stuff to make the cure? I wonder if maybe it has something to do with the fact that she's been hanging out with Junior so much. So she might have some of Junior's uh, DNA mixed with her DNA. And maybe that makes it extra special because Junior is a Rennie. And we they used to always talk about how the Rennies were extra special. This is true. This is true because Pauline was the one to hear the visions from the egg itself. Mm-hmm. So, See? And, and that's an interesting concept, too, that, of course, will never get explained or thought out. But why was Pauline able to receive visions from the egg? Why was she special? And why wasn't she drawn to the egg to touch the egg to find the egg like Patrick was? Because remember, Patrick was like, something's talking to me. It wants me to reach out. It wants me to touch it. Pauline was like, no, no, no. Make it stop. Make it stop. It's hurting my head. And that's when they killed Melanie because Melanie was the one that touched the egg. So the, the concepts of the egg itself are still a giant mystery in this show to me. No doubt. And I would like to know if there ever was a reasonable explanation why Pauline was able to get the visions. But alas, we aren't going to find out. Okay, so how do we bring the dome down? Joe's working on this tone generator. And as, as I did the rewatch, he did come up with seven amethysts are on the schematic. And I do believe that he whistled seven tones. And so I mentioned on the reaction cast that when he whistled the seven tones, the amethyst glowed. And so is it that you have to whistle the tone and the, the whistle the tune in reverse in order to create the tones needed to bring the dome down? Because if the amethyst glows, that powers the dome, keeps it up. Then you have to do it in reverse in order for the amethyst to crack, which then would crack the dome. Although I love your theory and how it's pieced together, I have no idea what it's all going to mean in the end. I wish they would go the route. I mean, you should be helping write this stuff, Troy. Well, we heard at Comic-Con that at the end of the day, Joe is the one that's going to save us all. So clearly, and we already knew from last week in our spoiler section, what's going to happen at the end of the season. So two and two together tells me, I think we're going to be onto something here in the next episode or two. Oh boy. Cause there's only three left. Oh boy. <laughs>
it should be good. Yeah, but highly recommend MikeyDislikesIt.com. Read the blog. It's awesome. We'll link to it in the show notes under the domeradio.com slash 68. I hope I remember to put that in there. <laughs> That's the only thing at this hour of the night. Another thing that kind of strikes me, and it's another one of the things we talked about, why did they wait so long into season three to bring this up? This could have been at the very beginning of the season and caused a lot more intrigue. But of course, our friends at Acteon, and we've got uh, Hector. And this guy, you know, he just comes right in. He's there. And it brings me back to when I was a child. And it was already an old show when I was a child. But they had Sunday night Disney movies every Sunday night. And this old, old show, it featured Hector. And all my life, anytime I hear about anybody named Hector, and this actually does tie into Under the Dome. Check this out, and then I'll explain why. Life upon the ocean can be the best of all For a sailor finds adventure in every port of call And many are the tall tales they tell about the sea But the tale of Hector will wag in history Who is Hector? He's one heck of a sea dog Who is Hector, the salty sailor pup? The salty sailor pup Hector, the sea dog. I mean, it brings so much to Acteon with the adventure and the tall tales and how now we've got Hector kind of hanging out with Big Jim. They could hop on Big Jim's boat and go sail around the lake and relive being a sea dog kind of a guy. That's right. He's actually uh, the stowaway sea dog, right? And so yes. now Hector realized that stuff was going to hit the fan outside of the dome with Patrick. And so he wanted to stow away inside of Chester's mill to make sure that his legacy would be saved. I like your you, tie-in. It's good. You see how this is all coming together, that it was quite fortuitous that something that was made even before I was born now ties into what's going on under the dome. And he talked about how he had a SEAL or special for I think it was a SEAL team, which would be Navy. And of course, when you see any Navy person, you're like, hey, sailor. So yeah, to see, totally ties in. Hector, the stowaway sea dog. It's great stuff and very adventurous. Thank you, Disney. Yes, I love it. <laughs> and we'll have a link to that in our show notes as well. Maybe even the YouTube video, because I'm sure YouTube's got it out there because YouTube's like the next Wikipedia when it comes it, to finding stuff on the internet. <laughs> pretty much. All right. Anything else you want to cover before we get into the fun Big Jim stuff and the listener feedback there, Sir Wayne? No, I'm good. I'm ready to hear some Big Jim quippy liners myself. Okay, so last week, Big Jim quippy liners, Big Tool took the cake hands down. I guess you just love Big Jim and Hunter scenes together. We need to have more of those. Kind of yes. had one this week, but nothing really creative was said other than, hey, if this moves, make sure you shoot. <laughs> Great <laughs> one advice. One where he's going, ah, the safety's on. No oh boy. Oh, well. So this week, uh, of course, I think this one is going to be everybody's favorite. This is when Julia shows up with Indy at the preschool house that is now known as Big Jim's Safe House. Don't shoot! Don't shoot! Indy! Hey! There you are, boy. Hey, Indy, how are you? Hey, oh, what happened? Don't you worry. I know who did this. Hey, Jim. Over here. Drop your weapons. Make the hands with us. Lower your weapons. 
captured and tortured you? After everything that has happened under this dome, now Acteon's here to help? I don't think so. I don't trust them. Well, they didn't blow my brains out, okay? And on the outside chance they do have a cure, Junior's gonna be first in line. Remember, don't you want a vial waiting for your boyfriend? I told you, he doesn't need it. Love saved him. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and laugh. Love saved him, I see. Yeah, so Love trumps five years of medical research. Take a thousand dollars at uh, Barbie's back in town hall making more babies with Ava. She's still alive? What happened to Plan B? Didn't work out. <laughs> That's exactly right. Plan B. You gotta take it in time or it doesn't work out. <laughs> wow, I can't believe Big Jim said that to her. <laughs> he's like, he's probably making more babies with Ava right now. It, they're aliens, you never know. She could be getting pregnant while she's already pregnant and just have a baby every day. That's right. Already baking a litter after just one day. Oh, my. And, of course, the reason why we chose this one is because everybody loved the comment of uh, Raggedy Ann. Yes. At the beginning of the clip there. So, hashtag Big Ann, A-N-N-E. Hashtag Big Ann for this one. Uh, the little scene there between Big Jim and Julia. We haven't had one of those in an episode or two, so thought we'd throw one of those back out again. Uh, the second one this week is when Big Jim and Hector start to have their first kind of negotiation, if you will, inside of the preschool. We're holding up here with Acton. Yeah. Joe, we should go after him. Newsflash, we're being hunted. We just have to sit tight. No one said you could stay. This is my safe house. It's a hell of a way to thank the man that just saved your life. I don't know you squat. Actually, you do. Dr. Marston. I sent supplies here for his rescue. He wasn't at the funeral home. He's not here. So where is he? He's stashed. In a safe place. Where? I'll take you to him. No, 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 no. Just you and me. Never trusted anybody in a black suit, tie, or otherwise. Jim, you don't call the shots. Disarm him. Take me to Marston. What are we waiting for? That is hashtag big suit. Big suit, because Big Jim does not trust anyone, even if he's in a tie. And I still think that... Uh... Hector should pay attention because Big Jim is really kind of in charge. No matter who might be holding the gun at any particular moment, Big Jim seems to always come out on top. And I am rooting for Big Jim all the rest of the way under the dome. Yeah, don't forget, just because you disarmed him doesn't mean that he doesn't have that knife still sitting there. Or his ninja skills. That's right. These are my ninja skills. <laughs> yes, indeed. This is my knife. Oh, this is my stuff. dome party. Oh, I, I, I still want to know why they chose the preschool. That is the one thing that still boggles my mind. And when you come in the front door, it almost actually looked like it was Abby's house, to be quite honest. Did it Maybe look that's like where they moved it to. I, I didn't pay attention to the house because they all kind of look the same when they're not on fire. <laughs> that's true. I love how when uh, Hector and all those guys came in, it was like, oh, out of the way, you know, one, one entrance in, uh, closed circuit camera. I was like, well, yeah, there's going to be a closed circuit camera watching all the kids in the daycare. That, that makes sense. Yes, indeed. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So Big Ann and Big Suit are the hashtags this week. 
Again, you can go ahead and vote on Clamor, C-L-A-M-M-R.com. Make sure you register for an account, use the thumbs up button, and of course, look for at UTD Radio Podcast to find the Clamors, or just go over to underthedomeradio.com slash 68, and you can click the links there. Please do. Please do. Let's go ahead and dig into our ratings so that we can get ready for listener feedback. I, myself, am going to give this episode a solid five out of 10 barn flipping BFFs. Gotta love it. Not too bad. Not too good. Right down the middle. That is a, a solid episode for you, Sir Wayne. Well, solid is subjective, but it's higher than some of the episodes I've rated this season. This is true. This is true. Uh, I went a little bit lower than last week just because I don't like star children that grow 36 weeks at one swatch. So uh, I'm going to go seven out of 10 purple pulses of power. Oh, seven. That's still really high. I really, I really enjoyed the Patrick backstory. I want to know I, more about this blue egg. I guess you do. <laughs> hey, but still nicely done. Troy seven out of 10 purple okay. Pulses of power, huh? Say that a hundred times fast without being a plosive P on your microphone. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was afraid of, man. You are challenging the odds there. I am. And speaking of challenging the odds, no matter which side of this whole battle you're aligned with, whether it's the kinship or the resistance, skilled professionals are greatly needed. That's where lynda.com comes into the picture. If you visit lynda.com slash dome, you'll get 10 days of free learning Jumpstart a new skill, master your current skill, and that way you too can be a talented asset in this epic battle under the dome. And everybody loves pulsing purple beams of light on under the dome. But what if you wanted to add that cool effect to maybe one of your own projects or home videos? Well, that's where After Effects Creative Cloud Essential Training, the 2015 version, comes in with Ian Robinson. After Effects Creative Cloud Essential Training covers all of the fundamentals required to get new video editors and monograph artists up to speed with this powerful program. The first two chapters explore the key concepts, terminology, and interface of After Effects and break down the six foundations of After Effects, mastery, compositions, layers, animation, effects, 3D, and of course, rendering. Follow-up chapters introduce a variety of real-world projects designed to reinforce the skills that you've learned. Pretty soon in no time, you can have amazing effects just like the ones seen in Under the Dome this week. Your friends will be wowed by the purple pulses of light coming out of your home videos without the need for 12 women actually dressed in white. That's why you just need to visit lynda.com slash dome. It'll give you 3,000 video courses taught by expert teachers on any device that you have, even a Microsoft Surface tablet. And very importantly, you can watch them offline as well if you have the annual premium membership, which is good. You can lose internet at any time, especially in Chester's Mill. So start your 10-day learning journey at lynda.com slash dome. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash dome. Try it free today. Yes, please do. And then, of course, we go in to find out what you all thought of Legacy because Big Jim always tells us we're all in this together. That we are, especially as the war is coming. Because once the queen is born, the war will begin. <sighs> <laughs> Rumor. That, pa that Patrick guy, was he, was he was just on fire. I thought he was going to pop a blood vessel there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever aliens have. All right. So who do you want to start off with this week, Sir Wayne? I have a random list of voicemails. And I, of course, am just curious to see which one you want to go with first. 
I think we absolutely have to go with one that came in not 60 minutes after we finished recording last week's episode and had signed off to go to bed. Then we get a great voicemail. So fire it up and let's check in and see what came in just after we recorded last week. Hello, Wayne and Troy. This is Bill from Kansas City. I started intensely listening to your show before the beginning of this third and hopefully final season of Under the Dome. Between episodes, I've been going back and listening to your first podcast, hopefully to try and make any sense of what's going on in Chester's Mill between Season 1 to where we are now. Nope. Other than crude tie-ins, there doesn't seem to be much that joins the forehands with Christine. What the H-E double hockey stick happened to the Monarch story arc? Christine hasn't called herself the Monarch. Julia hasn't called herself the Monarch. I yearn for the days of Auntie's tattoo and the potential promises it could have fulfilled in the plot. Nope. On a side note, going back and listening to your first season of podcasts has been really interesting. There is so much hope in your voices. As the season goes on, you can hear the hope slowly leave your bodies, weary from the plot holes and forced dialogue. I imagine that covering the show has made both of you age faster than Barack Obama. Like the mini-dome within a dome, I imagine season three has felt to you like the end of a certain recent NFC championship game. Don't worry. I'm a New England Patriots fan, so I know a thing or two about feeling deflated. Keep up the tremendous work. We will all get through the love and star babies together under the dome. Bill, thank you so very much. I'm so sorry that your message came in just a little bit after we recorded last week, but it's so awesome. We had to share it this week. And you brought up many excellent things. And thanks again for uh, reminding me about the NFC title game last year. Yeah, we're not playing any more voicemails from Bill. That was an oh. open wound. You just ripped it right open. It was. I got to go get myself in a cocoon now to heal up again. <laughs> but he knows about feeling deflated. Oh, so, oh snap! Hey, and th- did you know? Yes. Did, did you know Wayne that uh, Angie had a butterfly tattoo? <laughs> there were times when I thought I saw one. <laughs> oh. But Bill, you bring up a great point. How we may have sounded a little different when we were podcasting in season one, and all the hope and the the theories about what could have been. <laughs> And now there's this. Even Fight Club. I'm actually going to say it. I, I'll even go back to Fight Club. There you go. Oh, oh my You goodness. heard it here first, people. Fight Club is now able to be spoken about for the very first time ever. And it's all because of Chester's Midland under the dome. Oh, my Lord. So, Bill, please, yes, call in anytime. Uh, we want to share your thoughts on future episodes. And you're right. All these drop storylines, which I don't think there's any way they could possibly tie in. To what's going on with Christine now and I'm holding my tongue if they come back for a season four and they do tie all these storylines together like I said it'd be worth the Emmy because <laughs> there's just no possible way that it's all grouped together like like even when they showed Christine touch the egg and get sucked into the hole and all the butterflies came out all of a sudden and they were trapped under the dome I mean those were all those butterflies that we saw on the side of the dome in season one so, I mean, there are some things that could get tied together if you think about it. The problem is, is that I shouldn't have to think this hard. <laughs> As Bill would say, nope. And if you think about it, we did have to think this hard when it came to a certain show called Lost, but at least the characters were entertaining and you were wondering if the characters were going to survive or not. Now, I am concerned about Joe because he can't get with his girl behind those bars. So... Joe's got to escape somehow because he doesn't want to be hung out with Sam the whole time. 
because they haven't actually forgiven each other for Angie yet. So Joe could end up turning into a murderous killer and kill Sam at the end of the day. You never know. I think Joe's probably forgotten about Angie by now. I think we all forgot about Angie, but not her butterfly tattoo. Heck no. No, sirree. All right. Thanks so much for calling in, Bill. And again, hopefully you can, you'll record a, probably another voicemail in about 15 minutes when we're done with this episode. And we'll play it again next week for you. Oh, man. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Barb. We haven't heard from Barb in a while. Let's see what Barb has to say this week. Greetings, Sir Wayne and Sir Troy. This is Barb calling in with feedback on the Under the Dome Epi legacy. Did we really have to begin with Barbie and Julian a lip lock? That was so nauseating I wanted to turn off the TV then and there, but our great podcasters are suffering through this, so misery loves company. Here are a few thoughts about this week's dome disaster. I was glad to see that the Acteon troops, after going through the red trap door and emerging from the lake into Domeland, had plenty of time to dry off and change before rushing to the rescue of the resistance. They must have moved with the same sense of urgency that Julian Barbie had for the Misfit team. The team has found their new safe house in the Bright Beginnings Home Daycare Center. I think this must be a shout-out to the intelligence level of the writers, since the plot lines seem to be below a kindergarten reading level. I wondered why the camera focused on the picture of the tortoise, but then realized it's because time seems to be moving so slowly when we watch this show. It's only been four weeks, after all. How are there suddenly 2,000 people in Chester's Mill? I thought that we had gotten rid of most of them in the various disasters this town has seen. Well, it looks like pulsating Patrick has been added as the newest alien, teaching us that old aliens don't die. They just get restrained like psychotic ER patients. If we're lucky, a giant alien helicopter will fall out of the sky and squash them all. Couldn't someone clean the blood off of poor Indy? I mean, really. This sweet dog is the only character on this show that matters. I hope the dome explodes. Everyone else is killed by shards of flying glass. And the last scene is Indy trotting down the road that leads out of this dysfunctional town and into the arms of a normal, loving family. But that won't be this show's legacy, will it? So to preserve whatever dignity Stephen King's Under the Dome book still has, I've decided that this show needs a new name. And with the Smash Dome, we can christen it Domer and Domist. Imbecilic and improbable lovers, Barbie and Julia, stumble across an alien egg left under a dome. They decide to get to the bottom of the mystery and escape from the dome, unaware that outside threat Acteon wants to keep the dome intact. As Julia, who has fallen in love with infected Barbie, is pursued by both Barbie and the kinship, they find both their relationship and their brains tested, if they ever had a relationship or a brain. Thank you both for the laughs this week. This is Barb signing out. I'm feeling an urge to watch Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Of course you are, Barb. Thank you so very much. Great to hear from you. And I love your proposed ending for Under the Dome with Indy going down the trail, finding a good, normal, loving home who will wipe the blood off of him and not kick him in the head like uh, Barbie does. And almost you could play the music from Lassie. <laughs> as as it trots off into the sunset. It would just that be so would fitting. <laughs> In fact, there's a chance that Indy could be a descendant of Hector, the wonderful sea dog. That is very true. Very true. And I love the fact that uh, we had Aaron Arnett Jr. last week. He was uh, not feeling so well. And I just realized now why he wasn't so, so good. And it's because he had to sit through 
that disgusting lip lock between Jarby. I mean, if it's making uh-huh. Barb sick, maybe that's why Aaron was sick. It, it's a it's a spreading illness. So it had nothing to do with the eggs that he was served. I don't know. We'll have to find out when we hear from Aaron in just a little bit. Well, we have sent out a rescue party, so hopefully they'll report in by the time we're done uh, recording. Uh, Barb brought up other fantastic stuff as well, Troy. That's right. The uh, turtle shot, for those of you that aren't aware, might be, just might be, a nod to the Dark Tower also, as there's a famous line in there that you must behold the turtle of enormous girth. Very, very true. And I love the Dark Tower series, and I love the whole little turtle thing. I have a feeling it's accidental or somebody who is really paying attention snuck it in there. Yes, yes. I, I'm going to hope for the paid attention part because I'm actually enjoying trying to find any kind of Dark Tower references now as we watch the show. Yeah, before we all go toe dash and end up in Chester's Mill. That's right. That's right. And she brings up a good point, too, about this whole lake transit system. <laughs> oh, the lake transit. I love it. Well, we... We, we lost the chasm to get out of the dome, so that's not a possibility anymore, which completely closed off about a thousand storylines, unfortunately. And, and now he set explosives on the cellar door, so now he's actually exploded the only way into the dome. So now we are literally confined under the dome once and for all. No in, no out, at least according to what we've been told so far. And that means that the only way out now is to bring the dome down once and for all, which could potentially happen this season if Joe's successful. And it does make you wonder how the Acteon team was so quick to get dried off and change that Bart brought up. And yeah, it's one of those things that I guess we're just supposed to overlook, but come on. And this is one thing that's been bugging me off and on for about a season and a half is the fact that We're trapped under the dome. People are dying left and right. And even though a few people have been able to sneak in through that red door tunnel through the water, the population in this town is growing by leaps and bounds instead of slowly disintegrating. I mean, they said something about 2,000 people. I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah, I thought it was like under 1,900 when we started out the show from what was on the signs. And I got the impression just from the visuals that it was more like 300 max. Well, it was only... 20 in season two. Yeah. So I don't know where they're all. They didn't all come through the tunnel. I'm telling you that. That's right. That's right. Maybe they are all uh, copycats like that guy that was in the matrix world. Oh, they may not even really be there. Could be. They're all ghosts and they don't even know it. We better call Bruce Willis. He'll fill them in. That they will. That they will. All right. That's Barb. Thanks so much, Barb, for your voicemail this week. Um, I'm going to save that one for the end. So let's go with a new caller calls himself Dr. Awesome. Take it away. Wayne joy. I'm here now. No more blind spots. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, I'm glad that Dr. Awesome was finally able to get the message to us having a little trouble with speak pipe, but I'm not sure what it means. Well, so it's, it's probably a double meaning, right? Because they were talking about blind spots throughout the episode between big Jim and Hector. And then of course he was having problems with speak pipe. So I love it. It's a, it's a dual purpose voicemail. So it, kudos short, but sweet. And if the blind spots were discussed on this week's episode of under the dome, it might've been during one of the scenes that had Lily on it. When I just totally turned my brain all the way off because I did not want to know, but I love the voicemail. Please contact us again. 
And it could have been one of the blind spots at the beginning of the episode during that really dark scene. Because I know you love those dark scenes. <laughs> Budget cuts. Or do I mean that scene was really dark between Jarby? <laughs> uh, oh, <laughs> oh, dark, oh, disturbing. Oh. Um, all I know is that at the very end, when out of the blue, there's Babs kissing on Ava yet again, even though he's supposedly been turned because it wasn't science that cured him. It was true love. But now he's still kissing on Ava. Do it right. Do it right. It was love. Love. Marriage. Marriage was brought us together today. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Have fun storming the dome. (laughs) How many can you put into your voicemail next week? Give us a call. Plus one, 904-469-7469. As you wish. Okay. Dr. Awesome, thanks so much for calling in. Let's go to one, Mr. Ben from the Welcome to Level 7 podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay, guys, it's Ben Avery from Welcome to Level 7, welcome to level7.com, the podcast about Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I'm just uh, checking in with you guys under the dome and um, uh, the episode Legacy. Look, last week, I... On one hand, they're like, oh, they're actually doing all the stuff that we, we've been talking about, and, and they're actually acknowledging it. And they did a little bit of that this week, too. But then they completely, you know, just tore it down at the end of the episode last week. And, and then I, I I don't even know what to – just no. I, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm watching. I'm not sure what I'm watching. I'm, I'm – there's so much possibility here, and and I feel like this episode is like they said, hey, maybe we should try and do some good stuff. And, uh, you know, the Eric LaSalle character, uh, why wasn't this brought in earlier? Um, his old buddy from ER, why wasn't he brought in earlier? The, 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 the unraveling and unveiling of the mystery is just – it's been done at such a weird, awkward pace – and then revealing a second half to the mystery with with them from the 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 outside coming in and and they actually have like motivations and stuff and motivations that actually make sense that are pushing them into action and i'm thinking i could go along with this i could go along with this and and then they and and then i, I see the women in white and they're giving up whatever life force stuff things. I mean, it reminds me out of the movie life force actually in a way I, I just, I, I really don't know even what to say here. I'm, I'm confused. I, I'm, I thought we were watching one thing and even though I didn't know where it was going, I didn't think it was going to turn into this kind of weird cultish thing. Um, and then the gunfight where like they're just, they're just killing Chester's Mill citizens, just killing them. I mean, um, they're zombies basically, but they're zombies who can be rescued. Like they're choosing to take a stand and, and mow down these people with machine guns when they really, you know, could get out of there, run away, get out of there safely. And, you know, cause they're, they're killing people that they actually have the cure for their, thing you know well it's emotion so maybe they wouldn't be able to get all the emotion i i'm just i'm watching this and and maybe they're doing this to get us 
maybe they're doing this to rescue us. Like they're getting our emotions going, you know, and, and they're making us confused and they're making us conflicted and they're making us, you know, get angry or they're making us laugh at the ridiculousness of things like that mass grave where we're supposed to be terrified and horrified. And I just see it and I just, I almost want to laugh. Maybe they're doing this because they're helping us to come out from under the influence of Christine and her aliens. I just, if this episode had happened earlier in the season, I would have been like going with it, but they've lost a lot of goodwill with me and I'm sticking with it. I don't even know why. Uh, Part of it is your podcast, honestly, but, um, and part of it is I do want to see it through to the end of the season. Uh, all the answers are supposed to be given, um, the upswing that they might be on right now. Can you call one episode an upswing? I, I don't think you can. You know, and then last episode and the episode before that, it, it's just bouncing back and forth, I guess, you know, between kind of good and not. Uh, I, I have to stop here. I, I, <laughs> I feel like, wow. And, and then the, yeah, the Eric LaSalle stuff is good. The honestly, the Nori stuff was good, and I I, I kind of liked that where she was learning the gun, and uh, of course the awkward hug through the jail bars was not. But yeah, this is Ben Avery from Welcome to Level Seven, Welcome to Seven dot com, Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. I'm signing off. Okay. Ben Avery, I'm awesome. A, yeah, I'm gonna jump in here right away. <laughs> Okay, do it. Do it, Troy. Because, okay, so first of all, yes, Ben is so frustrated he can't get his words out. I love the dramatic pauses at the front of the voicemail. But here's what I have to say about Nori. I love Mackenzie Lynch. Great actress. Love her. Nothing against Mackenzie. This is, again, against the writers. Remember in season two when Nori grabbed the gun and we were all like, what the heck is she going to do with the gun? The gun's got to come into play later. It's the whole Chekhov's gun thing. Why would she grab that gun? So if you grab a gun in season two, the assumption is, is that you know how to use it. Okay. And then you have this really awkward thing with the guy who you don't really want. He's like a creepy uncle teaching her how to shoot a gun. Yes. And it's only because she was afraid to shoot the gun and didn't have the safety on in the beginning of the episode. But if you remember at the beginning of the season, she shot a bow and arrow and killed a pig like nobody's business, like no qualms for like human life whatsoever. And then uh, supposedly after having never shot a gun, she's able to take out a person standing in close proximity to another person with a point blank shot right between the eyes. (laughs) And she probably remembered to bend her knees because like that creepy uncle said, this isn't Charlie's angels. So I, I, I love, I love you, Ben strongly disagree that the Nori gun stuff was the best part of this episode this week. It was the worst part of the episode this week, in my opinion. Oh, really? I don't think it was the worst at all. I mean, well, besides, besides the whole virgin girl sucking grave thing. Yes. (laughs) That's on a whole different plane. Literally. One thing I noticed definitely, I think was a shout out of sorts was when Nori was holding the pistol, I think it was around the time when she shot that other person right between the eyes, the angle, which tried to make the gun look like this monstrous pistol. It just reminded me of a scene straight out of dirty Harry. So she was channeling 
her inner Dirty Harry, Clint Eastwood, who was the original spaghetti western gunslinger that the Dark Tower gunslinger Roland Deschain is kind of based on his look and mannerisms. So I think it all comes together. And in fact, Ben Avery said something about these people need to take a stand. And that might be another Stephen King shout out. So, you know, it's Ka, I suppose. Okay, so I will say then that the final shot of the gun, because you just tied it to Roland Deschain and it's like, you know, be true with your shot. And she was true with her shot, right? Remembering her father. And she actually did put that bullet on the mark. So tying it to the dark tower again, once again, Sir Wayne, the final shot. Yes. Okay. Then the gun stuff was cool. Leading up to that, not so much. Well, okay. I'll I'll give you that, Troy. And I'm wondering if she'll ever see her father again since she lost both of her mothers. That's right. We we did see the dad, did we not? Back in season one. What happened to all those people? Remember we met Ben's mom and we met uh, Nori's dad and and what about Rusty and <laughs> yes and that actually pretty darn good episode with the uh, visitation day which is actually something that was in the book and I thought was very very nice oh my gosh remember when Ben was like yeah I was talking to some people with uh, my notepad mm-hmm. and it was like China thinks we're gonna attack them where's that story <laughs> who knows man. Ah, the good old days. Well, if this drama does not entertain you enough, we have another drama that's taking place as a side story here this season. So let's go ahead and see what's happening to one Mr. Aaron Arnett Jr. Hey, Sir Wayne, Sir Troy. (laughs) What's up? It's your boy, Aaron. Stuck out here. Still, Still stuck, man. Oh, man, you know, I left, last week I left you on a bit of a cliffhanger. I'll get to that. <laughs> but you see, it's the funniest thing. You, you know, last week uh, I was a little sick. Well, turns out that egg uh, that I had eaten. <laughs> it wasn't poison. It was trippy. <laughs> and I've had more of it, and you know, there's a little sickness at first. You know, it's it's kind of like having a baby. <laughs> yeah, Eva, I'm talking about you, baby girl. Yeah, what's up, girl, Eva? Yeah, but uh, it's kind of like you know, get those morning sickness, and then you get a baby at the end or something. You know, metaphors are good, man. But they really opened my eyes. <laughs> you know, I was watching that under the dome this week. Oh, by the way, my cliffhanger, I forgot before I get too far, that music, (laughs) I entered that code, it turns out, it was just a code for a free play of a song on a jukebox, man, that whole thing turned out to be a jukebox, Uh, I tried not to rock it, so that's why I played that song, but, man, it opened my eyes, and this week on Under the Dome, I was watching, and I see all those girls going into Ava and being like, I'm going to sacrifice my life for this queen. And all those little girls in the grave that uh, Julia saw, and everything. Man, this egg has opened my mind, and I'm just like, I'm watching this, and I go, like, is this really on TV? Are there other people watching this show besides me? Because this is pretty freaky. Like, even for me, this is weird. But I guess it's convenient that those virgins are there to do that, or else 
you know, they'd have to be stuck under the dome for another eight months or so. There's only like two episodes left, so they got to get that baby, you know, in the oven cooking quickly. So I understand that. Also, you know, we all, you know, opened my mind, man. You know, the man will tell you that Humpty Dumpty, all his king's horses, all the king's men couldn't put that egg back together. But I think clearly we saw that an egg can be back together. But we just don't want to deal with the consequences, do we now? No. This bad thing has happened if Humpty Dumpty gets his egg back together. Now let me tell you a little something. I just... My mind has been opened by this egg, as I told you. And I started thinking, you know, this season... We're getting to know that the monarch apparently is going to be crowned. And it's Julia, I mean, not sorry, I'm sorry, not Julia, Ava and Barbie's baby thing. But remember back to last year, we never even knew until the season was over that we were going to get another season. And yet, we still had the whole thing about the monarch will be crowned, you know, and everything. My question is, if we never had this third season, man... Who would have been the monarch that was crowned if you just look at those first two seasons? It doesn't make sense. It's like they threw out all these things for us to look for. And if we would have never got this season, none of them would have ever come to be. And it just leaves you wondering, like, who's the monarch? Who's crowning it? And everything. I just... I don't know, man. That's just... It's cheap to me. But hey, what do I know? I'm just some bum guy... Stuck out here with a jukebox in the middle of the forest or something. What is... What is that? Is that a helicopter, man? That's a helicopter! <laughs> That's a helicopter! I'm gonna be rescued! <laughs> no, where are you going? Where are you going? Baron Harnett Jr. The drama continues. Uh, hopefully our search party goes back around for him. I know. I gave them explicit instructions to pick him up, bring him back to California safe and sound so he can continue his life instead of these. The He's having a lot of struggles, but I will say he is now our very own jukebox hero. That he is. Save him on all one at a time. <laughs> he lived through the eggs. I hope he comes down from those in a little while. And the whole monarch thing, I don't know if we're ever going to know. What if there were only two seasons of Under the Dome? Remember when, long before anybody was frozen, it was going to be a one summer, what, 13 episode event. Remember, this was going to be on Showtime, the, the place where you can see Homeland, <laughs> things that are good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Oh. Showtime actually, I think, got a bargain on that one, <laughs> passing it off. <laughs> Oh, I can't even imagine. But what, Aaron, what I'm if, glad you're feeling better, and we will uh, get the helicopter back around again. Stay, stay safe. What if each season has a different monarch? So the question becomes: Will we see a butterfly in the finale? Because let me tell you, they've been teasing that giant mega butterfly on top of the dome. <laughs> whenever they show the Blu-ray, whenever they show the previews, that big butterfly better come into play. Or I'm going to be crying foul with the uh, ad, you know better business bureau or somebody. 
<laughs> okay. False advertising. And I want a giant butterfly, damn it. <laughs> and if you have not yet seen the giant butterfly on the dome, you can pre-order season three of Under the Dome and relive all the awesome stuff and maybe some cool outtakes at underthedomeradio.com slash season three. Check out the cover art, if nothing else. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, that'll do it for voicemails this week. I'm going to give the honorary Under the Dome Radio DJ for my pick. I'm going to give it to Bill because I really liked his use of the uh, comparing that game that we shall never talk of again and the uh, deflated comment (laughs) and tying that into (laughs) Under the Dome. I think that was very clever, sir. Very clever. So Bill gets my vote this week. Oh, mine too. Bill did an excellent job. I'm so glad we got to share your voicemail this week. And yes, very well done. Please contact us again. We know it's kind of a short turnaround because this whole Thursday night airings of Under the Dome, and then we record this on Friday night. So we need feedback by Fridays at what? 7 p.m. Eastern, somewhere around that time. Somewhere that time. Yeah, give or take, you know. But Bill, congratulations, honorary Under the Dome Radio guest DJ of the week. Now, we've got a little bit of spoilery stuff coming up next, so if you want to skip ahead or bail and join us for the next episode, that's fine. Details on where you can find us are at underthedomeradio.com slash 68. Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. This is an Under the Dome Radio investigative report. Next week on Under the Dome, the Resistance races to release their loved ones from the kinship before Christine finalizes her plan, so she must be back next week on Under the Dome, Thursday, August 27th. And the picture for this one has Big Jim praying over Junior. Oh, please, son, come back to me because I love you so much. Not. Walk home. (laughs) Get yourself out of that tree yourself, dude. That's my tree. That's right. (laughs) Uh, Love is a battlefield. Yes. Cue Pat Benatar for next week. Check. Oh, boy. Uh, Members of the resistance race to release their loved ones from Christine's influence before she reaches her end game for the dome. While Barbie risks everything in an attempt to free Ava from the kinship. So apparently still got the hots for Ava. Just saying. Oh, boy. Big Jim and Julia are enlisted by Hector. One Eric LaSalle, the head of Acteon, to test a possible cure on infected townspeople. And also Joe chooses to work with Christine after she shares some shocking information about the entity behind the dome itself. Whoa. That'll be interesting. Mm, Yeah. They always say one thing that makes you go, dang it, I got to watch it now. (laughs) (laughs) And then you watch it. And then you're like, oh, man. Thursday nights. Could have been playing Euchre (laughs) or something. It's actually going to be called Love is a Battlefield. Love is a Battlefield. I'm assuming because there'll be some epic fight between Julia and Ava as Barbie's like, I can say you saved me with love. I can save her with love. She's a good person. Really? Uh, We are young. We are strong. No one can tell. Whatever the lyrics are. (laughs) Uh, My goodness. This is going to be interesting. And speaking of interesting, although this is an audio podcast and it's not proper to really reference visuals you'll be seeing a lot of this photograph and i just want to point out and it could be caught at work yet again because in that photo with big jim hands clasped over his son jr the weird it looks like an original imac from back in the day but it's not it's some sort of monitor it has a 69 on it, and our next episode of Under the Dome Radio is episode 69. It was like fate. Ka is like a wheel. 
Amazing. So good. So good. Love is a battlefield. Oh, Uh, my. We just want to say thanks to all of you for subscribing to the show over the past two to three seasons. That's right. It may have sounded like we've lost our spark, but we're getting it back. It's the final three people. Three. It is the magic number. That is what they tell us all the time on those after school specials. So what you need to do, three things. Number one, sign up for Clamor so you can vote for the big gym liners. C-L-A-M-M-R dot com. Make that happen. Number two, make sure you tell all your friends about the Under the Dome radio podcast. Share it with everybody so we can make sure the dome comes down for good in three weeks. And number three, keep those five pink star ratings and reviews coming on iTunes. Pause the show right here if you have an iOS device and do it right away. Or just visit underthedomeradio.com slash iTunes when you have a chance. That would be very, very nice. And remember, this podcast is help made possible by you, dear listener. It is season three. It is drawing to a near, but we still need those propane deliveries to keep the station running. So go to underthedomeradio.com. Look at all the beautiful propane dispensaries on the right-hand sidebar of the site. And remember, everything raised in season three from propane donations, we're going to forward to little Ben to help any which way we can with his battle with cancer. That's right. Underthedomeradio.com slash Ben. For all the details, if you want to just write a check directly to him, we're okay with that as well. So just oh, make yeah. sure we make his you know potential survival actually happen. That would be super, super awesome. And of course, we love connecting with all of you, the fellow Millers here in the mill. So head on over to underthedomeradio.com. All of our social links are at the top of the page, Facebook, Twitter, etc. But most importantly, be sure you subscribe so you do not miss one of these final six episodes of the podcast this season because it will be pretty awesome on how this plays out good or bad. It's still going to be awesome because you're part of our community. So make sure you do that wherever you get your podcast. Be sure you leave a review there too. Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, etc. Tell us what you love about the show. So more Millers can be sure to join us for all the fun as we get out of this third season. <laughs> and with that, I do want to thank you so much yet again for taking time out of your day or night to listen to Under the Dome Radio. Share your thoughts and theories, underthedomeradio.com slash feedback for all the details. And until the next episode, I am at Wayne Henderson. And I am at Troy Heinrichs, avoiding touching any pregnant women this week as we stay trapped under the dome. Wow. Pulsing purple lights. Under the Dome Radio. Under the Dome Radio is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Get organized in your personal and professional life, laugh with our clean comedy, theorize over great television shows, and so much more, all waiting for you at noodle.mx.